Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. And yes, this is the show for busy people like you to learn how to build substantial passive income and create wealth for the long term. Today's show is a little different. It's about the active real estate investing side of the equation. And I am bringing on one of my friends here today who is heavily in that space on rehabbing and finding properties to fix and flip or keep for himself what we call distressed properties. And sometimes these are also distressed sellers. It's not always that the property is ugly. It could be that there's a situation where you have a distressed seller, there's some sort of life event or situation going on and they just can't afford to keep their house and they have to sell it. Uh, you may be able to find a good deal like that where you pick it up and get a really good price and now all you have to do is some cosmetic work and you can keep that house or you can flip that house or you could flip the contract, something known as wholesaling. But I'll have Mike talk more about that and I just wanted to expose you guys to the other side of the real estate investing spectrum. You know, I focus on the passive side because I just like to have those uh, streams of cash coming in and be able to do other things. But uh, I know there are people who are on the fence and thinking about rehabbing or thinking about flipping properties or doing something along those lines. And uh, I thought I'd bring Mike in today to talk about that. So we'll get to that interview here in 30 seconds. Is your cash working hard for you? Savings accounts and most stocks, bonds, and mutual funds provide little to no real rates of return. How would you like your cash to earn a 15% annual rate of return fully secured by real estate? Our private lending program allows investors to safely invest in our real estate projects without any long-term commitments. Self-directed retirement accounts also qualify. For your free information packet, please visit PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. That's PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome Mike Hambright to the show. Mike is a real estate investor, a mentor, an entrepreneur who has purchased and renovated hundreds of houses from when he started back in 2008. Mike recruits and mentors new franchisees into the We Buy Ugly Houses system, which he'll talk about. And he's also the founder of FlipNerd.com and the related podcast show, FlipNerd. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Marco. Thanks for having me. It's great having you on. Let's start off by telling our listeners where you're located. Uh, so I'm I'm based in Dallas, uh, Dallas, Texas. Yeah. So things we do kind of more and more are becoming virtual, but that's where home is. Yeah, that's great. I love Dallas. Great market for investing, and uh, it's also a fun city. Yeah. So, Mike, the reason I wanted to bring you on the show it seems like a little bit of a an antithesis to what the show is about. The theme of my show is is passive real estate investing. But there's a lot of people out there who think about the active side of it, or maybe want to dabble in it. Uh, you know, passive real estate investing to me is having streams of cash versus having chunks of cash. And so active real estate investing would be things like wholesaling, rehabbing, and flipping. And, and this is really what you've done a lot of and you're really good at. And that's the whole reason I wanted to have you on the show. So we're going to talk about that on today's show, but let's start off by, you know, introducing our listeners to who you are and where you came from. So maybe talk about your story, how you went from corporate America, you and your wife, into the real estate space. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, probably like a lot of people that are listening here, I we, I had a lot of interest. I've always had interest in always had interest in real estate investing, but never did anything in uh and until uh until 2008. So, 
Um, you know, I think for a long time it was, um, uh, I guess I grew up watching, you know, it, it was really before a lot of, uh, flip this house type shows, but like this old house and, you know, just stuff like that. For some reason, I, even though my family had zero experience or interest in real estate or real estate investing for sure, there was something there that I always had an interest in. Um, and, uh, I worked in a hardware store in like high school and early college for like a, actually a big kind of do it yourself, uh, uh, store called Menard, so a little more than a hardware store, but um, for about four or five years during high school and college, and just was around a lot of kind of construction type stuff, which uh, is kind of funny because now I, I I would struggle to kind of tell you where a hammer's at, even though we <laughs> have lots of houses because I don't do it myself. But um, I guess I'd always had an interest in it, and it just got to a point in our lives where uh, my wife and I were both doing uh, fairly well in corporate America. My wife was a consultant. And, um, and, uh, but then we had our son, um, and I guess, uh, you know, what happened is I, I worked for a very large uh, company and, uh, while, while things were going well, the company, um, had this massive kind of layoff sweep and I, I got caught up in that. And then I went to work for, and that was a very large, you know, multi, did about 5 billion a year in sales at the time, a very large, uh, uh, retailer. And then, um, I went to work for what I kind of call a startup, but we had grown really fast to nearly a half billion dollars in sales. And uh, but it was a really small kind of intimate group of the management team, and uh, and that was awesome uh, for about eighteen months. And then they filed bankruptcy, um, and the party was kind of over in terms of the, the the exciting growth stuff. And and it was just this. And then and then what happened at the time was uh, my wife had just given birth to our son, who's now eight, but. At the time, it was just this feeling of, hey, I'm, I'm kind of newly married. My wife left her job to have our son, and quite frankly, she made more money than I did. And now we have a, we have a baby, and it's like, okay, I'm, uh, you know, long gone are the days of like no responsibilities. It's like a new, yeah. new father, relatively new husband. I'm the sole breadwinner now. What am I going to do? And I just had to kind of figure it out. It just I was in a kind of a difficult spot for the first time in my life of, uh, having to, you know, worry about other people. And, um, so the options were, uh, at that time we had moved, we live in Dallas and we had still had our home in Dallas, but we had moved to Washington DC and really just for that job. So we, we, we needed to come back. Our family was here. We had a new baby. We had no family in DC. And so it was just this, well, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? And, uh, are we going to go back to corporate America or what? And I guess I knew enough to know that I really wanted to work for myself. And I kind of had this feeling of, hey, I worked for a large company and the sky really was the limit. I mean, I was very blessed while I was there. Um, but then that all kind of came crumbling down. And then I went to work for a startup where we were flying high and, you know, seemed like there was no end in sight, yet there was a big end uh, ultimately. And it's like, who who can I trust? Where can I go to where I'm safe or financially stable or whatever? And it's just this kind of realization that I have to take kind of take this in my own hands, and uh, and so that's what we did. So it was a matter of you know, starting a business of some sort, but not knowing exactly what to do. Always having an interest in real estate investing, but having like zero experience, literally. And um, and so we we actually kind of I say this it's kind of funny for people that live in Dallas. I stumbled across Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses folks, which actually is also based here. Um, and they bought over 65,000 houses now, but at the time, you know, even though I'd seen ads and things around, I, I always just assumed it was a group of real estate investors. I never really knew that it was a franchise opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so here we are, 2008. I'm saying I need to jump in and take control of my own destiny. And we're jumping in at the time when everybody else is running away, you know. Uh, but the reality is, is uh, the Dallas market wasn't hit nearly as bad as uh, a lot of other markets, but uh, still a lot of people got uh, hurt here, just like other places. But at the time that we're jumping in, you know, when everybody's running away, that, that can be a good thing. So a lot of our competition was gone. We were fortunate to have access to some fairly stable capital. So a lot of people that had their credit lines taken away and stuff, uh, we, we had a leg up on on that competition and we just were put in a position where we had to work really, really hard and we did. Um, and we and we made it happen. Our first year, literally starting with no experience, we, we ended up buying 65 houses and have kind of gone on to buy hundreds of houses. Um, but some of it was circumstance in terms of you know being put in a difficult position. Some of it was a market, which was very different than it is you know say let's say today. Um, and some of it is that we, unlike a lot of real estate investors uh, that I talk a lot about, is we really treated it like a business. I mean, we had run businesses before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had kind of a, a fairly rich uh, business background, and so we you know we weren't going to treat it like a hobby. This was we were all business and you know, we still are, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You really crushed it that first year. Those 65 transactions, were those all uh, fix and flips or, or were you wholesaling as well? We were wholesaling. You know, if I look back, uh, we've probably bought a little over 300 houses uh, since that time. And for, for the first few years, we were doing, you know, in the 50 to 70 house range a year for several years. And then as more things got added in, in terms of coaching other people and a rental portfolio and you know things now like the podcast and and the web platform and all that is over time you start to kind of layer things in and and just don't have the capacity to do that kind of volume anymore mm-hmm. but uh but yeah we i guess over time you know i'd say that we've we've primarily been a rehab first type model which is the hard way to do real estate investing um and we've we've probably generally kind of wholesaled or assigned about a third of our properties and probably two thirds were rehab type properties um yep Take 30 seconds just to define two things for our listeners. Sure. Um, one is what is wholesaling? A lot of people know what it is, but that's where most people get started because it takes the least amount of knowledge, um, maybe not the least amount of effort, but it is relatively light. And then uh, take you know another 20, 30 seconds and tell people what the We Buy Ugly Houses system is because uh, yeah. I think a lot of people are familiar with it. They see those big billboards on the sides of the uh, freeways, but there are many markets where you'll never see it, like Orange County, California. I don't think there is a franchise there. Uh, there might be, but obviously uh, outdoor advertising is is uh, much more uh, prevalent in some areas than others. But uh, we, actually, we actually have a lot of franchisees in California now. Uh, but uh, So yeah, wholesaling is uh, exactly like it sounds. You know, you're obviously buying a property – um, at a price to to allow you to mark it up and immediately sell it to somebody else. So in its kind of purest form, it uh, you could you'll hear the word sometimes or the phrase an assignment, and that is where I get a house under contract to buy, and I'm and, and I never actually take ownership. I'm literally selling the rights to that contract to somebody else. So I'm not actually selling the property. I'm selling the rights to purchase that property at a given price, which is above the price that I paid. So effectively just making a spread on it. So you're right. A lot of people start there because it doesn't require a lot of capital to get started, certainly not as much as wholesaling. Um, but uh, it is hard work. There's no doubt. And, and really what's the hardest part of that is 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 finding deals, generating leads. So no matter what part of real estate investing you, you look at, obviously the, the bottleneck is always um, lead generation and being able to find those deals. 
Yeah. So another way to describe wholesaling is essentially you're flipping contracts instead of flipping properties. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you generally you're selling them to somebody that wants to fix it up and turn it into a rental, somebody that wants to fix it up and rehab it and resell it. Um, and so kind of, if you kind of imagine the supply chain of, you know, a property is distressed and it's going to go all the way to either being a rental property at the kind of end of that supply chain or, uh, or maybe a rental or sorry, rental property or, um, selling it to an end user that's actually going to live in it. Yep. Um, there's kind of room for multiple people to play in there, just like there would be a distributor of, you know, a product that you buy at just say Target or something, you know, obviously they're is uh, P&G that's making toilet paper and then there's a distribution company that's taking it to a warehouse and mm-hmm. it's being sold on to Walmart and they're selling it to the retailer. So it's it's really the same thing. There's kind of multiple layers of people in there that are doing things and adding value along the way. Okay, so the We Buy Ugly Houses system is essentially a franchise that you buy into that provides you the training, resources, and materials to be able to go out and run a business of wholesaling, rehabbing, and flipping properties. Yeah, in many in many ways, it's it's a it's kind of a business in a box. Um, it's a franchise system that allows you to come in even with no experience. Although we have people that come in that have bought thousands of houses actually, and they just they need the systems, they need the support systems, they need a mentor and a coach, and they need to surround themselves with hundreds of other people doing the same thing. Okay, and so it's a it's a franchise system. Yeah, and I I mentor and coach people across the. Uh, country for that as well. Yeah. So if, if, if anyone's interested in that, if you go to uglyopportunities.com, uh, we have some webinars coming up and some information on more about that. But uglyopportunities.com is uh, where they can learn more about that. Okay. So you probably know a lot more about this than I do, even though I had and still have today rehab properties from a distance from California. I'm, I'm acquiring and rehabbing properties in other markets. But the way I learned the rehab process, and this is kind of how I want to transition. Um, it was broken down into four categories. Well, essentially three, find, fix, and flip. And that's just the easy way to remember it. So you find them, you fix them, you flip them, or you find them, you fix them, and hold them as opposed to flipping them. And sure. I think most people that are at your level do a combination of both. They, they might find, fix, and flip maybe 80% of what they acquire and then keep the other 20% for your own personal portfolio. Would you say that's fairly true, this process I just outlined? Yeah, I think, uh, you know... Um everybody's goals are different. There are some people that want rental properties uh, and there are some people that don't want to have a rental property and maybe they had a bad experience and they're like, I've never, I never want another rental property. But, um, you know, for me, I I would say we've done really well with wholesaling and rehabbing houses along the way uh, for sure. And, and, and largely because we've been able to turn it into a business where we can kind of rinse and repeat and do things over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's always been with the intention of, having the opportunity to keep some as rentals, which is where you build your wealth at. So I would say that's probably true of a lot of real estate investors. They they aspire to keep more rental properties, but they have to operate their business. They have to they have to kind of ring the register, if you will, and pay the bills and pay for advertising and pay for staff and things like that to be able to go out and do it again tomorrow or next month. And so you do, unless you have another uh, source of income to kind of pay for those things, mm-hmm. then you're just generally not able to keep every deal as a rental. And quite frankly, every house that you're able to purchase that is an opportunity to monetize may not be the right fit for your rental portfolio either. Okay. So I'd like to drill down a little bit into some of the stuff and maybe highlight some of the pros and cons as we go. Here's the core question. Why would someone want to do this? Why would someone want to be an active real estate investor, take the time 
and the energy and the resources to go out and find a property which takes time and effort, fix a property, and then either flip or hold it. Why would someone want to choose to do that? Well, it's, I mean, it's a business. It's like anything else. Why, you know, why would somebody want to open a, up a pizza restaurant? I, I think this is, um, I think rehabbing, um, everybody thinks differently about this. There are certainly some real estate investors that only wholesale. They don't want to rehab anything. We tend to make more money if we rehab them. And I, I'm not saying that you should rehab everything because we kind of look at it on a case by case basis for each deal. But generally speaking, um, we tend to make more money rehabbing uh, properties that are uh, the type that should be rehabbed and resold into the market. And so, um, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to, to, to make a lot of money doing that for sure. Uh, if done right, it all comes down to finding the deal right and buying it right. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a great business. Uh, for me personally, aside from the financial side of it, which is a, obviously an important part, is I, I really love the transformation that we make and being able to kind of improve neighborhoods and uh, communities. Um, so there, there's a lot of satisfaction in that regard as well. Yeah, that's the key word. There's satisfaction taking something ugly, you know, the whole theme of ugly houses and turning it into something that's safe, clean, functional, beautiful, you know, and operating. Fu- uh, it's an asset. It's an operating asset. Right, right. right. I, I would imagine, Mike, that most of the people who are, are rehabbing properties or wholesaling or finding and fixing properties for themselves are doing it locally. In other words, they're in a market where they can go out and find those deals. Is that is that fair to say, or or do you think a lot of people are doing this remotely from a long distance? You know, I think uh, that's one of the interesting things that that I've kind of discovered through my podcast, uh, the Flip Nerd Podcast, and interviewing you know nearly three hundred kind of experts around the country. Is there definitely are? It's been eye opening just to see how other people operate because I I've I've always kind of had my ear to the ground, of course, of the system that I'm a part of. And what's going on in my community, but then you start to find people that are doing really interesting things out there. But I would say uh, for sure, I think that technology and a lot of things that have changed from a technology standpoint are enabling people to do things more virtual uh, than in the past, or give people a higher level of comfort. I would even argue, even with rental properties, you know, more now than in the past, you can you can be somewhere without physically being there. So you can see things. You've got better probably reporting tools and things in place now. You, you, I assume you'd agree with that versus years past. So I think um, you know, technology is, in, is enabling a lot more things than you know, we, we saw even you know, four or five years ago. Oh, technology and the internet has changed everything. You know, yeah. I can sit at my desk in my office and, and renovate five properties at the same time and never step foot in them. You know, I have a team yeah. of people to do everything from the acquisition through to the renovation and the marketing. It's it's just all turnkey. Thank, thanks to Al Gore. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Al Gore. Yeah, that's hilarious. So, okay, so who's this best suited for? I mean, clearly most people won't want to do this, especially a lot of people that we deal with who are our clients that are buying, you know, our turnkey properties that just want passive income from day one. But I do know there are people out there that want to take this on for the challenge or for the extra equity that they could potentially have in finding and fixing that property. But in your opinion, who would you say this is best suited for? Rehabbing, you're saying? Yeah, well, anything that would be active real estate investing. So whether it be wholesaling or rehabbing. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I talk a lot about uh, treating it like a business and not a hobby. And so many treat it like a hobby that, to be honest, it's real common for people to fail because they don't treat it as seriously. They're like, well, I still have my job and, 
you know, I'll, I'll if I don't make as much money or I lose money or whatever, then it just is what it is. It's a, I'm going to chalk it up to learning. So I really think it needs to be people that treat this very seriously. Um, mm-hmm. It's po- I'm not saying it's not possible to do something on the side or part time, especially if it's your intention to make that full time eventually. But I think I think it really needs to be treated seriously because if you do, then it, it can become a business to where you can replicate what you're replicate deals, the ability to find deals, how you advertise and market. You can replicate that, you know, over and over and over again if you follow a proven system. Um, to where if you're just out there and I'm just trying to hustle something up and not really taking it that seriously, then you know you're going to have even if you treat it really seriously, I would say that this is I kind of call this a lumpy business. It's it's a roller coaster. Even if you're a high, you know, even when we were buying sixty or seventy houses a year, you may go two months without buying anything, and then one day you buy four, and you know, and, and there they can be some nice paydays, but. Man, it's just an emotional and financial roller coaster. So you need to kind of have the stomach to be able to weather those storms because even if you're doing really high volume, uh, which few are, you, you still feel those lumps. Well, there could be nice paydays, but I can tell you that I've I've lost five figures on on one of my flips, and and it wasn't anything that was my fault. It's just it was a retail flip. You know, we were selling it to a homeowner. And things just dragged out, dragged out, dragged out. The interest accumulated, and it ended up putting me into the red. Um, and you know, having said that, I think these shows on TV, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on on this, but you know, flip this house, flip that house, flip or flop, and I mean, all these rehabbing shows, I think, have done a disservice to you know our industry and and rehabbers because they show you. I mean, they show you some of the ugly stuff that we deal with, but at the same time, it makes it glamorous in the sense that, you know, you can make um, a pretty hefty profit on flipping these properties and that they are pretty easy to find and that rehabbing is not an issue. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that a lot of these shows have kind of tainted the reality of what fixing and flipping properties are all about. Yeah, I think they've piqued a lot of interest, um, but uh, but yeah, there's no doubt that... Um uh, there is not, if there's that much drama in your business, then you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, without giving any specifics, we, we actually got contacted my wife and I to interview to be on one of those shows. So we created a bunch of videos and stuff like that. And, and they didn't choose us, which was, really wasn't a big deal. We were kind of lukewarm on it anyway, <laughs> but kind of the conclusion I came to was, um, that they didn't really want somebody that treated it like a business that, because, because quite frankly, it's, it's not that, dramatic it was it was like hey we treat it like a business and it's a little bit boring if done right if done well it's a little it could be a little bit boring certainly relative to uh to what you might find on tv and i think that that's kind of more what they wanted is the dramatic folks that are gonna you know i've rehabbed hundreds of houses and i've gotten mad at contractors and stuff but i've never thrown anything through a window or done donuts in the front yard or you know done anything (laughs) uh crazy because it just cost me money so um yeah, so I, I would say I, I would agree with you. Those uh, are definitely hyped up uh, versions of of the reality if you're you know truly doing it right. Yeah, you know I asked you the question who it's best suited for, and I think the way I answer that question from the other side is who's it not best suited for, which is our clientele. I would describe those people as people who have 
full-time jobs or careers, or maybe it's more than 40 hours a week. They have a family. They have kids. They have events going on in the evenings and on weekends, you know, Johnny's soccer game, this and that. And so at the end of the week, they, they have very few hours, if any, to spare to do anything of this sort. And I think those are the people that are the ideal client to be investing in the passive real estate investing side of the equation. They want to just accumulate a portfolio and have streams of income coming in. But people who have more time on their hands or they're not committed to family obligations and whatnot, those are people who can venture out and learn the business and start doing one rehab or one fix and flip and then the second one and third and build it up as a business. So it quickly becomes a business that they can scale and eventually maybe if they want to leave their career. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think you, you need to, um, like you said, it's, it's easy to get sucked into the kind of so-called sexy side of the business of, you know, I'm going to take something gross and make it awesome mm-hmm. and make money doing it. But, um, I would say that there's a real fine line between doing it kind of right and making money and, and making some simple mistakes and losing money. Um, and, uh, if you don't have money to lose and you can't take that type of risk, then I would say probably the next best thing is, uh, to find uh, kind of a partner that's done this or find a way to work with somebody so that you can kind of ride shotgun, if you will, to learn the process, potentially even lending to somebody that does this professionally, or certainly if you're going to do it, finding, you know, some sort of mentor that can, Mm -hmm that can kind of uh, help you climb that learning curve much, much faster than you'd be able to do on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in regards to that, are there some rules of thumb you want to share just high level, you know, in terms of what you should be acquiring or the loan to values that you should be looking at, or I mean, any kind of rule of thumb. I know there's, there's a whole whack of them when you're, when you're rehabbing properties, but. I would say if you're, if you're kind of new, you, you want to keep it simple. Like I, I I'll tell you this, I've evolved to where, the worse the house is, if it's burned out, if it's got serious foundation problems, if it's got things like that, I actually prefer those because, um, less competition maybe. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I clear out a lot of the competition that doesn't want to uh, deal with those things. And I've learned to fix anything. It's just a box. It's a box with doors and windows. You know, it, it can, anything can be fixed. It's just a matter of cost and time. And, um, and so, yeah, you kind of eliminate a lot of the competition, which ultimately means that you're probably buying it cheaper and if I'm buying it cheaper, then it allows me to not one not only you know have an opportunity to make some more money, but two it allows me to not uh, to maybe spend a little bit more on the rehab and and not I, we've never you know certainly what I'll say kind of cut corners like we're not big on cutting corners, but there are there are definitely times where if it's a tight deal, you may say well should we just fix what's there or should we replace it and you kind of have to make that decision on a lot of things. If it's if it's like burned out. You know, it's kind of undeniable. I'm I'm fixing everything. We're starting from scratch, and I I like to do that. Versus, well, the budget will only, only allow us to kind of work within this framework, and we can't we can't you know uh, replace the kitchen cabinets. We have to just kind of resurface them or whatever. And and so um, it, it it kind of gives you a little more flexibility in what you do. But you don't want to start there for sure. You want to start with something that's that's uh, you know fairly simple. And I'm not saying that you're not going to fi- find a whole lot of deals out there that are truly pain and carpet that you're going to retail into, you know, the hottest market we've seen in a long time, probably, but something that's kind of relatively simple that isn't going to require a lot of your time, um, to, uh, to kind of get done. Okay. So for someone listening to this episode, pondering the idea of getting started in rehabbing, 
um, or wholesaling, let's focus on rehabbing, and maybe flipping them or keeping them for themselves, what would you uh, say are the pros and cons of this side of the business, what I call the active side of real estate investing? The pros are, now, so one other thing I want to kind of divide it one more time, Marco, is to whether you're actually finding the deals yourself or not. So um, if you're finding the deals yourself, um, I'll, I'll kind of take it back to, you know, you the clientele you serve. Clearly people could could go try to find those deals themselves, but you add a lot of value and it's and it's worth that price. So it's it's hard work to find deals. It's hard work to be kind of the wholesale side of this business. Um, so if you're willing to, uh, and, and if you're waiting to be able to find your own deals on your own, you've got to be willing to obviously spend a lot of money on marketing, uh, get great at talking to sellers because you're going to probably buy direct or trying to. And so that's a whole business in and of itself. But if you say, I don't want to be part of that, that's where wholesalers add a lot of value. You can buy from, from other wholesalers. You can buy from, you know, home investors, franchisees around the country. Uh, you could buy on Flipnerd. We have over a thousand off-market deals right now listed on the site, um, active kind of wholesale deals that need to be vetted out. You always need to do your own homework. But um, I'd say the benefits of doing that are if you're looking to create an income or um, raise your income, whether it's you've left your job or you've retired from your job or you want to leave your job, any of those things to replace income, then it can be a great business. But it is hard. I won't. I won't sugarcoat that. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to build long-term wealth kind of alongside whatever else you're doing, then I think uh, uh, keeping rental properties and building a rental portfolio is the way to go. Mm -hmm. And you can do both. You can obviously do both as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I've been doing. So what's uh, what's the best way for someone to educate themselves? I mean, you've got flipnerd.com um, and you have, uh, do you do coaching or, or mentoring or? I do. So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, actually one of only two people in the country that are a national mentor and coach for the Homevestor system, the We Buy Ugly Houses system. So if you go to uglyopportunities.com, uh, plural opportunity, T-I-E-S.com, um, we have some, uh, you can yeah, obviously connect to us there and we can talk. Uh, but we have some uh, upcoming webinars where we talk about the opportunity in a little bit more detail. But yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, I mentor uh, a very large group of people across the country that'll buy around a thousand houses this year, and that's growing very rapidly. And so I really think it's important to uh, kind of surround yourself with other people that are doing this. And uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of kind of teaching and coaching and learning and mm -hmm. just talking as you kind of guessed from my show. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot of information on, on uh, FlipNerd. Um, and other sites that are out there, uh, but it's it's generally general information. It's not um, you know it's uh, educational and uh, but it's not hand holding type stuff. If you're looking for a mentor or coach, you know we'd be happy to talk to you there as well. What about an interim step like like a good book? I don't know if you have your own book, but are there books out there you would recommend? Um, there are some great books out there. I would say. You know, there are some good books that I can't, nothing comes to mind right now. You've caught me at a moment where I can't. No, that's, I'm putting you on the spot. On, I would say from a motivation standpoint, you know, there's, of course, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad stuff, which kind of gets you excited. Sure. In terms of actually kind of doing real estate investing, I, I really think, even though there's some there's some good books out there that are escaping me at the moment, you know, nothing will replace actually just getting out and doing it. And that's where a lot of people kind of struggle, to be honest, is taking that massive action exactly. to go out there and make stuff happen. but. Uh, yeah, I think nothing is going to replace actually doing it. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You can educate yourself for years and years and never pull the trigger, and you'll know you'll never be further ahead years down the road than you are today if you don't take that action. You got to apply what you've learned. Yep. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, any uh, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? No, I think uh, I, I do think um, you know I'm big on community and surrounding yourself with other people, whether you're actually uh, hands-on investing or keeping rental uh, properties. Uh, through Marco. And so, um, you know, we do have the uh, Flip Nerd uh, community, which started as a podcast, and we've done uh, nearly 300 expert interviews over the past uh, little under two years. But we also have a uh, social platform that's a membership site uh, that you can join for free. We do have some paid options as well, but we do have a free option. And uh, we have nearly 20,000 members on the site right now. We just launched about seven months ago, so we're going to continue to see a lot of rapid growth. But uh, you know, we have forums and blogs and all of our shows and uh, access to a thousand plus deals um, and lots of other information out there. So I think uh, just constantly kind of educating yourself and keeping your ear to the ground is really critical. And then, of course, absolutely massive action is really important, too. Yep. Agreed. Very good. So flipner.com. Mike, uh, appreciate your time today. Uh, it's been very helpful. And if people want more information, I'll just let them reach out to you on flipner.com or whatever uh, other contact information you want to provide. Sure, sure. Marco, thanks so much for the opportunity. Sounds great. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, buddy. Well, if you'd like more information about Mike and his team and his product, you can go to flipner.com and get more information there. Otherwise, if you're still on the passive side of that equation and you want to just continue to build your portfolio of passive income, then uh, go to our website and download our free report. If you haven't done so already, it is called The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. And you can find that at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or on our property website, NoradaRealEstate.com. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to cover on the show, then submit your questions on our website through the contact form. You could leave a voicemail there as well. And if you would like a free strategy session, go ahead and contact one of our investment counselors through our website. We can spend some time with you on the phone talking about what your goals and plans are and put you on the right track, whether we can help you or not. So something to take advantage of. And of course, please remember to subscribe if you're listening to the show for the first time. Uh, Click that subscribe button in iTunes or on Stitcher Radio, and that way you'll be updated every week with new episodes. And last but not least, of course, we have our free mug giveaway. It's the Keep Calm and Invest On mug that you can see on our website. Love to give you a free mug. Just leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Email us at reviews at noradarealestate.com. And I will get that out to you within the next day or so. Uh, That really helps us to get the message out, share this free content. We really appreciate you helping us get the word out. So again, thanks for listening. We love having you here on the show and we will see you on our next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.